0: spring morning. (laughs) Um, So I am happy to be in the house of the Lord today and that we don't have to have church outside um, and that it's nice and warm because I didn't have any tights that matched my dress. So (laughs) I like that it's warm in here. (laughs) Um, So if you don't know we're transitioning into deeper waters. It's a time of teaching before we Um, do some more worship, and then get into the preaching this morning. But before we get started, can you all just appease me for a minute? Raise your hand if you've ever learned anything, been impacted, or gotten some kind of word from deeper waters. Safe to say, pretty much everybody has been impacted. Um, And when our leaders are leading a ministry, sometimes they don't see the fruits of their labor directly. And this morning is our last Deeper Waters um, in this format. And I just want to give honor to Brother Bill Foster this morning. He's prayed and planned and led several speakers over the course of the five-plus years that we've been doing deeper waters, and I wanted him to see some of the hands of people who have been impacted by this ministry this morning over the years. So thank you, Brother Foster, for leading this ministry, and um, I'm sure it'll continue in some format. The ripples will extend far beyond deeper waters. So today I'll be wrapping up the series, How to Respond When You Feel Mistreated. We've heard some great words about Vengeance being the Lord's, the role of suffering, and the right way to respond to suffering. <clears throat> and while this might not be a popular topic, um, I feel like it's important to our walk with God. We will be mistreated by those in and out of the church at some point. And if we want to follow Jesus, we can expect um, to go through many of the things that he went through. And we would know that he definitely suffered a lot of mistreatment in his walk on this earth and even by people on the earth when he isn't here so today I'll give you the why of why we should deal well with mistreatment I'm speaking today on the topic blessed are the mistreated in first Peter 3 9 it says don't repay evil for evil don't retaliate with insults when people insult you instead pay them black back with a blessing that's what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. The apostle Peter says there's a blessing when you respond correctly to mistreatment. It says, and he will bless you for it. The rest of 1 Peter three ten through 12 says, for the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face from those who do evil. So did you catch that? His ears are open to their prayers. Yikes. If we don't respond well to mistreatment, then God may not hear our prayers. Um, And if I don't respond well to mistreatment, then I won't be blessed. Um, And when you're mistreated, you have to do good back, or as the King James Version says, bless back. So I can't just endure my mistreatment. I have to actually bless or do good back to the person. And that's really hard. You you might be able to find it in yourself to do nothing, but to actually do good to a person who is mistreating you, that's like Jedi Master stuff there. (laughs) But I can tell you that I've... Been mistreated a lot in my life. As a child, I was bullied from second grade to sixth grade. I showed horses and got a lot of low or no placings when I deserved better. I was actually literally booed by a parent after I won a class at age 16. That was fun. Um, and I've had several really unfortunate bosses that definitely mistreated me, been slandered and lied about at work been made fun of for being a Christian and not drinking, and the list literally goes on and on, and I'm sure that it does for many of you as well. And I've responded in possibly every possible way (laughs) that you can respond to mistreatment between second grade and today, and we won't go into all those things, but (laughs) I can tell you from experience that God blesses you when you respond to mistreatment correctly and that you might languish longer in your bad situation if you don't because he's not hearing your prayers. And at one of the moments I was mistreated the most, I ran across a meme that said, when you learn how to sit at the, at the table with your Judas, you'll understand the love of Jesus. We've talked a lot about Judas several times this series, so I won't belabor this, but when I saw that I was convicted that I wasn't really handling my mistreatment in the way I should have been. So I wrote that on a post-it note and I put it on my computer so that I would remember it each time that I got something that seemed like mistreatment. In Genesis 12, 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. This also applies to the church. Those who bless will be blessed and those who curse will be cursed. So we got to understand life. Our life from God's perspective, nothing we do ever gets by him. In 1 Peter three thirteen to 14, it says, Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. Don't worry or be afraid of their threats. In other words, those who curse you are only setting you up to be blessed. Who can harm you when you live this way? So part of what gives those who mistreat others power is how you react to them. So if you turn and do good to them, that's not the kind of power that they're looking for. So not only would you be blessed for doing good back to someone who mistreats you, but you also aren't giving them power over you. And that's why they wouldn't want to harm you, because they don't actually get out of it what they want. But part of what makes us respond in a way we shouldn't is pride, right? The mistreatment hurts our pride, and that pride, just let me get back at that person. They, I want them to feel how I felt, and I'm too good to get this kind of treatment, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but pride is not what we're striving for in this life. In Matthew 5, 5, it says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. The meek and humble are blessed. And it doesn't say a singular blessing. Blessed here means you walk and are continuously blessed. It's an ongoing thing. And meekness, so it, depending on the version, it goes back and forth between meekness and humility. But meekness is the opposite of pride. And let me set the the record straight because meekness kind of gets a bad rap. Meekness doesn't mean you don't have boundaries, or you let people walk all over you. It's an attitude of humble, submissive, and expectant trust in God, and a loving, patient, and gentle attitude toward others. So I looked up meekness in in a topical guide to the Bible, and meekness was also used as an opposite to rebellion or resistance. So the original Greek word is praus, and Helps Word Study says it's difficult to translate root, Pro means more than weak. Biblical meekness is not weakness, but rather refers to exercising God's strength under his control, i.e. demonstrating power without undue harshness. So I happen to be reading about David right now, and there were many instances where he did good for evil and was blessed. In 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 20, it says, so this is kind of long, so bear with me. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My lord, the king. And when Saul turned around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes that it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It's a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I'm not trying to harm you and I have not sinned against you, even though you've been hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. "'Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? "'Should he spend his time chasing one "'who is as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? "'May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right "'and punish the guilty one. "'He is my advocate, and he will rescue me from your power.'" When David had finished speaking, Saul called back, "'Is that really you, my son David?' "'Then he began to cry, and he said to David, "'You're a better man than I am, "'for you have repaid me good for evil. "'Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today.'" For when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king and that the kingdom, kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. So Saul was literally seeking after David to kill him. And David had to hide for many years even though he was... Had been anointed king. He knew he was going to become king. And I think he had a great reason to be indignant at his mistreatment, but instead he responded with such humility. And I know that God richly blessed him throughout his reign and even his generations after his reign as well. So here's an even better one also about David David is king in this one, and his son Absalom decides to take over his throne and wants to kill his father. So, your kid literally wants to kill you. It's Mother's Day. I hope my kid never wants to kill me. (laughs) So, his son sows discord among Israel and successfully creates a coup. And David finds out, and he and his loyal people run for it. And while they're running for their lives from David's own son, they encounter many people who either help or hinder him. So, in 2 Samuel 16... Five through thirteen, it says, as King David came to Bahurim, a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shimei, son of Gera, and from the same clan as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel! He shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Abishai, son of Zariah, demanded, let me go over and cut off his head. No, the king said, who asked your opinion, you son of Zariah? I'm just imagining it, seems funny. If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, My own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. So David and his men continued down the road, and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing and throwing stones and dirt at him. Cool. <laughs> So David endured these taunts and dirt and stones and acknowledged that God could have told that man to curse him and that this was an opportunity to be blessed. What a point of view that is. So I'd also like to call attention to the fact that the accuser said that the Lord is paying David back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. So one, this man is Jewish, so it would, in our day, it would be kind of similar to somebody in the church mistreating us two he was convinced that he'd heard from god that god was punishing david he was sure about it and three but we know that david was innocent and that this curse isn't actually from god so this man thought david was finally being repaid for what he thought was david's mistreatment of saul's family and instead of just letting it go started another cycle of mistreatment by yelling curses at David. And I'm sure he relished in his cursing and he probably felt great about it, but he missed out on God's blessing by going about it this way. And in his mistreatment of David, he actually brought about more blessings for David. I'm sure that really chapped his chops. (laughs) If he knew. (laughs) Many times our perspectives... And through the lens that we view our mistreatment in our lives, what we see as mistreatment by others, perhaps some of the times we feel mistreatment, it was honestly an innocent comment by the other party. I try to assume the best of people, which might cause more hurt in the long run, but I know there are times the other party maybe didn't intend to mistreat me. They might have thought they were giving me tough love that was a little too tough. Or maybe the comment was positive from their perspective, but through my lens, I thought it was negative. I would rather assume the best and respond with weakness and then be blessed. In journalism school, there's this saying when you're trying to frame a story in a way that connects to readers, that's called WIFM, W-I-I-F-M, and it stands for what's in it for me. And that's how you think of the story from the reader's perspective. What's in this story for the reader? So instead of viewing mistreatment as what the actual mistreatment is against you, view what's in it for you. If we respond with meekness and return good for evil, there is a blessing in it for us. And perhaps there's something we can learn from the mistreatment. Maybe it simply opens our eyes to something about ourselves that needs to change. Maybe it exposes how you would have liked to handle the situation if you're, you know, in your heart that needs work. Maybe you responded well in the moment, but instead of seeking God and or the person who mistreated you after the fact, you vented to a friend. But what if you handle the mistreatment and suffering maybe a lot or most of your life, and you truly feel in your heart that you've responded well? What if you really think that God has mistreated you? God might allow you to be mistreated or suffer more in this life than others, and we may not always know why this side of glory. Maybe it's the result of sin, persecution for our faith, or maybe it's to save others or ourselves from something far greater. Here in America, even in the depths of our suffering, there are people in other parts of the world who, I'm positive, have it worse than us. And that doesn't belittle our own suffering, but it can maybe put it in perspective sometimes. And for these people who are dealt more suffering and mistreatment than others, or who feel like maybe God has mistreated you, I have a verse for you. Matthew 19, 29 through 30 says, And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. So if, you're, if you feel like you're last in receiving your blessings, this side of glory, just wait to see what's waiting for you in heaven. Yeah. This life is but a vapor, but we have to respond to mis- even mistreatment God allows or mistreatment that's not by a particular person but just life in general with meekness and humility. Luke six twenty two 22-23 says, What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. Be happy and joyful in your suffering because of the great reward that awaits you in heaven. I'm closing if the musicians would come. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So if you're waiting on your blessings from responding correctly to mistreatment, maybe you'll see blessings in this life. But if you don't, just wait and see what's waiting for you in heaven even the greatest palaces in this world, the most beautiful mountaintops or beaches, the best things you can possibly imagine is nothing compared to what God has prepared for you. Yes, thank you, Jesus. It's not easy to endure mistreatment from someone in the world or in the church or if you perceive that God is mistreating you. But we're called to deny ourselves, push down that pesky pride that always wants to exert itself and respond with meekness and humility. If you can do that, you will be blessed. It may not look how you want it to. It may not be a material blessing. It may just be peace in your life. It may not come when you want it to. It may not even come in this life but I know that the blessings God has for all who are mistreated are worth it. If you would take a minute to pray with me before we continue with the song service. Lord, help us dig out those roots of pride that try to grow when we're mistreated. Help us to respond in meekness and humility no matter what has been done to us and by whom that we may see the abundant blessings you have for us in this life or in eternity. I pray you would encourage anybody who is facing mistreatment right now, either by a person or by this life, or if they feel it's from you, God, I pray that they would feel your love today, God, that they would respond with meekness and humility, God, that they wouldn't let that pride take over their spirit, Jesus, that if they can respond with meekness and humility, that they will be blessed, God, and if they don't see it immediately and they don't see it in this life, I pray that they would hang on to that hope in eternity that they will see great blessings that they cannot possibly imagine or put into words that it will just be beyond anything they can possibly ask or think God that it would be in mansions and cities laid with gold God that it would